and it was probably the loudest noise that you could ever hear. It sounded like, uh, I mean, it sounded like exactly like it was. The whole bottom drive shaft snapped and fell to the ground. Today on the podcast, I have TJ Reagan, a documentary filmmaker who has directed docs with his partner Isaiah Thomas through their production company, Slow Grind Media. And TJ's story today is centered around directing the cinematic recreation scenes for his new documentary about D.B. Cooper. It's a story that involves broken equipment, DUI blow-and-goes, and breaking a 1950s picture car. So with that, I'll let TJ take it from here. My name is TJ, and this is my worst day ever. Yeah, so I'm a filmmaker and director. Most of the time, or at least most of my career so far, the past 10 years, uh, I've uh, specialized in sports documentary, particularly NBA documentaries. I run a company with Isaiah Thomas. And uh, it's not necessarily because I love sports or love basketball, but I always try to find the story. And that's kind of how this whole thing has happened. I finally had a story fall into my lap. I wrote a script, and I knew I had to do it super indie. So what I did was, is I sourced people from all around the country that I've met. Filmmakers, art directors, screenwriters, anyone that I could possibly find uh, to get this project off the ground. Uh, So I was calling everybody. That's kind of how I got in touch with Tom and Jacob Owens. And I had them come out. I had friends that I knew from high school acting in it. And yeah, I was just utilizing every resource I had. I'm from a smaller town in Washington, about 45 minutes away from Seattle. So I knew that if I just utilized the local community in order to get what I needed done, um, that I could save a whole lot of money. So day one, everyone gets in and we have a, a big RV that we're running out. It's actually a toy hauler so we could put all of our equipment in the back. I had sourced a couple cars for people to use, and we were just going guerrilla style to all of these places. So my thought was, we have four days. We went, warmed up with some B-roll, got some car shots, and again, I sourced everything from the people around the community. So my auntie boyfriend actually has a garage full of classic cars. Uh, We sourced a 1956 Chev, a a 72 Nova, a 59 Ford Hot Rod, and one car in particular, a 1954 Dodge truck. So we were able to utilize these pretty much pristine picture cars for this period film that we were making. Um, So that night, we all met on this riverbank that we were shooting this scene where our actor comes out of the uh, comes out of the water and he does some things on the riverbank and then runs uh, runs directly down uh, soaking wet one of the first things uh, my sound guy told me is like make sure he doesn't go waist deep in the water because I have my sound pack on him and that would be no good of course, it was a joke uh, running uh, the whole the whole time we were filming was that our main actor was a method actor. And the character that he's playing is 
extremely crazy, drug-induced, just this wild, wild dude, right? So, of course, right when I tell him not to go into the water, he says, okay, I got you. And then immediately when I turn my back, he rolls in a huge puddle of water right off of the river and totally destroys the sound pack. That was, uh, that was no-no number one, but we got past that. The next thing we were shooting was after he came out of the riverbank and ran through the woods, he would get picked up by a cowboy in this 1954 Dodge. It's about midnight, one o'clock, and we have this scene where he runs out of the woods, tracks down this cowboy, he stops, he gets in the car, and he goes off. Well, this is where it all starts. One of the actors that I sourced was a friend that I did improv class with in community college in like 2008. And I had him drive all the way down from L.A. Well, I didn't realize or I just wasn't thinking about it. Obviously, making an indie film, there's so many things going on in your head and what you need to do. The one thing that I had surpassed was that the 1954 Dodge truck was a stick. And obviously, not everyone knows how to drive a manual car. So I'm thinking and I'm like, damn, I got to hit him. And he's driving all the way up from Los Angeles. So on his way up, I text him and say, hey, by any chance, do you know how to drive a stick? And of course, the answer that I got was no. I said, have you ever driven a stick? He said no. So I had to get back to the, the thinking pad. I just started asking people around. My family owns a small bar in that town. So I started asking patrons in the bar that are regulars, hey, do you have a stick that I could, you know, try out? And I pretty much got a no from everyone but this one kid, 23 years old. I think he might have been on his second or third DUI. Obviously, he's a regular at a bar. And I knew that he had this probably 94 Golf Volkswagen. And it was a real piece of shit. So I'm like, hey, can I use your Volkswagen Golf to train my actor how to ride a stick? And he said, yeah, no problem, no problem. So this is where the DUI comes into play. This guy has a blow-and-go in his car. My actor gets there. He does not only have to learn how to drive a stick, but he has to learn how to use a blow-and-go. So the, the owner of the car blew to start it, and then you have to do it probably three minutes later. So we're driving around the parking lot. He's in the driver's seat. I'm in the passenger seat. He's trying to blow on this blow and go. He can't get it. Then I try. I can't get it. We stall out. So pretty much we were doing two things at once, not only learning how to drive a stick, but also learning and mastering the blow and go. Needless to say, it didn't necessarily work. We ended up, ended up getting, you know, one trip out of it through a neighborhood, and it seemed like he kind of had it down. So then I go over to my auntie's place and they're actually in Mexico at the time. So her boyfriend just says, hey, I'm going to leave the keys for you. Use it. It's all good. There was no there was there was nothing but love from him. And he was just down for the cause. So I was really grateful for that. Me and my uh, co-producer, uh, John Miller, uh, go and grab this truck. And John says he wants to drive it. 
I'm like, yeah, that's that's totally cool. So he's driving it up. It's about a mile away of where we're going to meet the crew in order to utilize this car. Again, it's one o'clock in the morning, and we have about we have two scenes. Uh, the actor has got to get in the car with the cowboy. The cowboy is my friend from Los Angeles that drove up and learned how to master the blow and go and the stick shift. So he's supposed to drive up, pick the actor up, and then drive off. So we bring it over there, and, you know, John Miller's kind of telling me, he's like, this stick is kind of tough, you know, it's one of those older ones. I mean, it's an original car, all original from 1954. So obviously it's a little tougher than a 94 Gulf. So I'm like, fuck it, we'll be fine, we'll be fine, he'll get it. We, we, we learned today, he'll get it. We only need him to do it probably a couple times. And again, oversight on my part. So we pull up, actor gets in the car, and we're like, okay, we need you to reverse about a quarter of a mile down there, and then when we give you the signal, you drive up, he's going to flag you down, and he's going to get in. So he tries to reverse and goes back, stalls it. Does it again, he stalls it again. So I'm like, okay, maybe he can't go in reverse. Let's take it back there for him. And then he drives up and then, you know, picks him up and then goes forward. Very simple, right? Well, at least we thought. So first take went okay. There was some clunking going on, but I think we were fine. We needed one more take. This will be the last one. Let's just make sure we get it. He gets in the car and he's getting ready to drive, drive down to the actor that's flagging him down. He gets it into first gear. And then as he's pulling up to stop, he accidentally throws it into second gear without putting in the clutch. And it was probably the loudest noise that you could ever hear. It sounded like, uh, I mean, it sounded like exactly like it was. The whole bottom drive shaft snapped and fell to the ground. And the car no longer was mobile. We were in the middle of nowhere at, now this is probably 2.30 a.m., and I have this 1954 original Dodge truck sitting on the side of the road, and we were still having to do shots with this car and with the actors inside this car. I immediately got sick to my stomach. The only reason why I was so worried is because my auntie had let me use this car, and her boyfriend was so gracious enough to let us use this car. And now I had just absolutely dismantled it. So I told the guys, I'm like, you guys, I think I'm going to get sick. I need to make some calls. And I went into the trailer. While I did that, the crew did what any good crew does, and they got it done. I think they had two guys on the back of the bed shaking it up and down. Jake was on the other side filming each actor and uh, the overs. And then I think we might have had some light streaks through the window in order to make it look like it. So at least we got that. But I wasn't necessarily worried about that. I was worried about this car and worried about it being 2.30 in the morning and knowing that I had to get it towed. So after they knock that out, it's 3 a.m. And I'm sitting there in the middle of nowhere with this car, with this crew. Granted, it's probably 40 degrees outside. I tell everyone that they need to go home because we had an early call time. I think it was probably 9 a.m. and it's 3.30 now. So they leave. I call AAA. 
AAA answers the phone. They say, okay, we'll send somebody out there within the hour. And then the hour passed. Then I called again. And they said, oh, he got hung up on another job. He'll be there in another hour. Now it's 5.30 in the morning. They're still not there. It ended up three hours later at 6 a.m. that they showed up. Granted, I didn't have AAA. I was using my mom's AAA. And my mom is probably five miles down the road, and it's 6 o'clock in the morning. She's obviously sleeping. And when the AAA guy got there, he said, oh, no, I can't tow this. You have to, uh, you have to get the owner of the AAA card to come out and make sure it's good. So I had to call my mom, wake her up, go pick her up, bring her to the spot where the truck was being towed. We got the truck, had it towed back to my auntie's house, and at 7 o'clock, I was finally in bed. And I knew I had to wake up two hours later for a 9 o'clock call time. The other thing I wanted to say, when the car was getting towed, it got lifted up at an angle, and all of a sudden, there was oil seeping from the bottom. So I thought I had completely destroyed this truck. I thought that this truck was now dead. They knew a mechanic, so it was only $500 to fix, and it ended up that the oil leaking and whatever noise was coming from the radiator or smoke that was coming from the radiator was just a normal thing for a car at that time. Little advice for any indie filmmakers, leave some money in case anything goes wrong. And uh, I didn't necessarily think that I would break a microphone pack or a 1954 original Dodge truck. Uh, and then, just a side note, we also sideswiped the RV that we had. So that was another 1000 there. So I would just say, when you're running and gunning and shooting an indie film, just make sure you have some money set aside in case anything goes wrong. That was my worst day ever. And that wraps up this episode. Thanks, TJ, for coming on and sharing your worst day ever. And if you have a worst day ever story and are interested in coming on the podcast and sharing it, head on over to worstdayever.com to learn more. And to make things easier, I've included the links in the show notes. Until next time, that's a wrap.